Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, it's been a busy week in college football, and we've got an even busier one coming. Uh, the first top five matchup of the season, Louisville and Clemson, your Heisman Trophy pick on yeah. the national stage in the spotlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should be a good one. Uh, you know, same, almost the same time as ASU-USC, so it's going to be a a split screen kind of night for me in this household, but, uh, yeah, that'll be fun. I mean, Louisville's looked so good. Um, but you know, will it, will it translate at Clemson? You know, we'll see. I mean, certainly, um, I think Louisville's looked a lot better than Clemson this year. Um, if you take away the, the preconceived notions, but, um, you know, it's always tough going to Clemson and winning, even when they're not that good. And they are obviously still really good. So, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be fun to watch. Well, if you like quarterback play, this is the game for you. You've got two guys who were on everybody's Heisman watch list either preseason or right now as yeah. as the presumptive favorite. Um, you know, Watson struggled this year for Clemson. It's been touch and go for them. It, obviously, the first few weeks have been tough, but they're still unbeaten. They're still right on the edge of the playoff picture. They are, yeah. I mean, look, they, they're still, you know, very much in control of their own destiny, to use that cliche. I mean, they're unbeaten. The ACC is is significantly stronger than it's been in recent years. And if they keep winning, they're going to get that chance to go back to the playoff. But um, they remind me, and, you know, this isn't an original point, I'll, I'll confess, they remind me a little bit of Ohio State last year in that, you know, you kind of thought they just hit the ground running and looked great, and it's just not coming as easy as it as it did the year before. And, you know, with Ohio State, you kind of blamed the, you know, the quarterback switching and did that have an effect, and, you know, they won the title the year before. Maybe they were a little content. Uh, you know, that's not the case with Clemson. They, they, you know, they got close, but they didn't win, and Watson is back, and he's the unquestioned leader, but it just hasn't been smooth so far. Um, for long stretches, they they got off to a good start against Georgia Tech, and then we're we're kind of sluggish in the second half last week. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's to the point where I'm starting to wonder: Are they going to be the team everybody expected? Well, it's one of those things where you wonder if they spent the whole off season reading their press clippings. I know Dabo Swinney was on pretty much anything that would take him talking sure. about this team. ESPN was in love with them. And sure, sure, yeah. I mean. They they uh, are we're kind of in that rare state. We don't get it a lot nowadays where they didn't win the championship, but they played really well in that game. And you know, Clemson's not a traditional power, and so in spite of not winning that game, it almost kind of felt like they did. They spent the whole offseason, you know, kind of would talk about how how good they were, how good Watson was in that in that game, and how you know it's tough they were going to be to stop this year. And, uh, maybe that's something I, I don't know. You know, Watson came out and, and said basically that kind of the you know the attention was was wearing on him a little bit, and and he was going to try to improve his attitude. And again, he did get off to a really good start against Georgia Tech, but then you saw some of those same problems. Uh, you know, I watched a lot of the second half of that game, and um, you know they would they would get you know seven yards on first down, have second and three, <clears throat> and couldn't convert a first down. You know, they they. You know, he throws a short pass to a guy who runs backwards and doesn't get the necessary yards, or he throws a pass just behind a guy and it's incomplete. It just feels like they're a fraction off, and and Louisville has not been a fraction off. Louisville's been hitting on all cylinders so far and and doing everything right. So 
it's going to be interesting to see how much home field matters because four weeks, you'd say Louisville is certainly playing better. So Deshaun Watson this year, through four games, has 996 yards passing and nine touchdowns. And you hear that and you think, well, that's a guy who's having a pretty good year. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah. But then you look at the other side, Lamar Jackson <laughs> has 13 touchdowns and 1,300 yards passing. And, oh, by the way, yeah. 526 yards rushing and 12 rushing touchdowns. And 12, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, his numbers are off the charts right now. And He's and, playing and video games. He's playing he really video is. Games. <laughs> he really is. And, and, you know, you can't say it's just been against – bad competition because they you know they they hosted florida state who was the number two team in the country at that point maybe a little overrated but you know still a very good team a lot of you know future nfl players on that defense and and they didn't slow them down at all uh so you know that's that's the big question this week is can he you know can he do it on the road hostile environment i mean they've they've won at marshall they've won at syracuse that's nice Winning at Clemson is a is a different deal, and and if they can go, and and you know win convincingly like they did against Florida State or even something like that, um, you know they they to be would deserve to be the number one team in the country. Absolutely agreed. This is going to be a big test. The Clemson defense is allowing only ninety two point eight rush yards a game, and when you put that in perspective, Louisville is obviously passing the ball well, but their offense is clicking on all cylinders. Oh, sure, you know, sure. Offensively, they're averaging 300 yards rushing and 300 yards pa- over 300 yeah. yards passing. Yeah, yeah. Know? I mean, it starts with the run with them. I mean, they, you know, they're they're kind of a similar type of. I mean, obviously, it differences, but similar, I think, to ASU in that they may put up big passing numbers, but it's the run that gets them going. It's Jackson, and it's I think it's Brandon Radcliffe as their running back. Um, and, you know, those those two guys kind of get it started, and then. And then that opens things up for Jackson. I mean, it, you know, it, it it you know it allows him to have big lanes to throw the ball because everybody's so concentrating on his running ability that it's like, oh boy, you know, we gotta we gotta take that away. And all of a sudden, he hits you with a you know seventy yarder over the top of your head, and you you don't know what hits you. Um, and that's what he did to Florida State. It's what he did last week. You know, second drive, first play, seventy five yard touchdown pass. Uh, uh, you know, I think Syracuse, the very first play of the game was a long touchdown pass. So, you know, they've been quick strike. They move quickly. And and it's not a one-dimensional team. This isn't Cal or Texas Tech. This is a good defense, too. They got some really good players on defense. And that's the thing that makes them so tough to beat is it's not like you can count on score and 50 points to beat them. Absolutely true. But one thing to talk about is the job Bobby Petrino has done. Now, he sh- yeah. he got there under a cloud. He served his penance at a lower-level school, uh-huh. and, and it's come full circle for him. He built the program up. He left <laughs> to take the Arkansas job. He left that to get – or uh, no, did he go – No, he left for Atlanta. He left for Atlanta. Then he, then he left Atlanta, took the Arkansas right. job. Right. Then left under a big scandal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But now he's back, and it's yeah. the, the return of the prodigal son. He's built them. They're, you know, they win this yeah. game. They're the prohibitive favorite for the title. I would say, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, you know, whatever you say about him, um, you know, his character and his, you know, commitment or lack thereof to the Falcons when he was there, and, and obviously what happened with his, you know, personal situation at Arkansas. You know, he's got a lot of, of questions, and, and not only that, but the, you know, the secret interviews when he was in Louisville before with LSU and with Auburn. I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't uh, acquitted himself as a great character, but he's a heck of a coach. And, and, you know, there's no, nothing more you can say about that. I mean, he won it. 
He won at Louisville before. He's winning there now. He he did well at Arkansas. He's done better at Arkansas than than really anybody else has. Um, I mean, he got them to the Sugar Bowl there with Ryan Mallett. And, uh, I mean, you know, he, he has success. He didn't have success with Atlanta, but certainly got dealt a bad hand with Michael Vick um, and then left before he could have turned it around. He was only there for 13 games. So um, everywhere he goes, he's won, and he's, you know, now he's got – you're right. I mean, you know, Louisville was not uh, was a minor program when he was there before. Now, you know, ACC and they're a, they're a powerhouse. They're no longer a, a little brother program. They're just as big as everybody else. Oh, absolutely. You mentioned that he flirted with the LSU job last time he was at Louisville. <laughs> and that job's open again. And it is. And L- he got L- asked <laughs> about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he's, you know... Uh, uh, his his success and his track record, both um, you know, both good and bad track record, are going to lead to people asking him about it. Uh, you know, and and uh, I mean, you 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 know, again, I'm stealing a point here a little bit from Pat Forty because he said it today. You know, Louisville was the place that gave him a second chance when not many other places might have. And second chance might be liberal. It might have been more like a fourth or fifth chance. Um, and and so you you'd like to see him show a little bit of loyalty to them, but. We'll see. You know, with him, you never say never. Certainly not. Now, LSU finally, it's the vending machine analogy for LSU and Les Miles. They started rocking the vending machine of his career (laughs) last season. It looked like he was fired. ESPN reported he was fired. Then all of a sudden, he's not fired, and he comes back, and two losses into this season, he's gone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and and it... To me, it felt like, and and I heard this on Dan Patrick. Um, like to, I'm, I'm trying to attribute my to my sources here, but it reminded me a little bit of what Arizona did uh, with Mike Stoops, where firing in midseason might have just been as simple as not wanting him to turn it around. They didn't want him to stay and pull an upset of Alabama or do some, you know, and and you know, rally the troops like he did last year because they were about to fire him last year, and then there was this groundswell of support and emotion, and they almost were forced to keep him, and I think. I think this was as simple as saying, we got a chance to get rid of him now. Let's just do it, and we'll move on. They replaced him with Ed Ogeron, Coach O. And I love Coach O. I, I know you do. I, I'm not sure that he's a good X's and O's coach. I think it's been borne out that he might not be. But the, yeah. but the players love him. And here's a partial list, a partial list of players who he helped recruit and coach. Michael Ower, Dexter McCluster, Mike Wallace, Warren Sapp, Cortez Kennedy, and Leonard Williams. The guy knows how to coach, and he knows oh, how he to does. recruit. Without a doubt. And, I mean, he was a big a big part of things at USC under Pete Carroll. You know, before he got the Ole Miss job, he was part of the, you know, that, that band of assistant coaches with, with Lane Kiffin, with Sarkeesian, with Norm Chow. And, you know, they helped USC get back to being what USC used to be. Um, and he's a heck of a recruiter, and I think he's going to, I think his emotion will play well there on a short-term basis. I think it'll be very much like what he did at USC, um, you know, because that's kind of who he is. He's kind of a he's kind of a TV preacher type of guy, and that sounds like an insult, but I don't mean it to be. I, you know, I don't know that he's a great permanent head coach. He did not do well at Ole Miss by any means, in spite of some of the players you just listed that he got there. Um, but he's a you know he's an emotional guy, and I think players will play hard for him and. And, you know, maybe they're a team that's a little more dangerous than they have looked so far. I think what Coach O gives them, if you're, if you're in the fan base and you, 
if you fire your coach midseason as a fan, you got to think, okay, this season's a lost cause. Yeah. I, I know they have Leonard Fournette. I know that they should be better than this, and everyone expects yeah. them to be better than this. But when you fire your coach, you're saying, all right, I'm wiping my hands of this season. Let's move forward. Yeah. And what he does is he says, I'll still recruit. I can still get sure, guys to LSU. Sure. And, and he'll, you know, he'll get those guys playing hard. And, I, you know, I don't know. I don't think they can beat Alabama. But, you know, I know they play Texas A&M. Uh, they play Arkansas. I mean, they play some other good teams. And, they'll, I, you know, to me, they're talented enough and he's an, a good enough motivator that they'll pull an upset or two. They'll win a game or two that you think they probably shouldn't win. Oh, I still think this LSU Tigers team is bowling. I don't think that oh, you yeah, know, it's going to yeah. be a complete fall off the edge of the cliff. No, no, no. And, I, I mean, I think, you know, and, and look, I mean, Alabama's a game that is right up the alley of him to pull off. Uh, you know, they're they're better. Um, and, you, you know, you still have shaky quarterback play. And, and Ed Orgeron or anybody isn't going to fix that right off the bat. Um, but it is at LSU. And, you know, that's, that's a game. I mean, he did it at USC. They beat Stanford. Stanford came in, you know, top five, top ten in the country on their way to the Pac-10 or Pac-12 title that year, and and he knocked him off. And so, you know, he'll have that game circled. And, of course, you know, he just like I said, he's got the got the history with Lane Kiffin and Sarkeesian, who are both on the Alabama staff. So a little interesting subplot for that game when it, when it rolls around. Certainly will be. And the, the, the tie that binds all of them is ASU's opponent this week, That's USC. That's right, right. Southern Cows one in three. ASU lands in the prime ESPN kickoff time for this game against Southern Cal. Fox, Fox. I'm sorry, the gotta prime give, Fox time. Gotta give him Fox. Brady Quinn and Joe Davis on the call. <laughs> and and we've been good with Brady Quinn once this year. That's true. That's true. Hopefully the magic will continue. But this season USC has beaten Utah State and otherwise a blowout loss to Alabama in Week One, falling mm. to Stanford by 17. And then on Friday night, losing in a much closer, much more competitive game to Utah. Yeah, a game they outplayed Utah, really, for, for the better part of, you know, three and a half quarters. They just couldn't finish. You know, they they were up, uh, you know, I think 14 points at one point, up by 10 in the fourth quarter. Um, and they were outplaying them. And, and they would have put them away earlier if they, I think they fumbled on three straight possessions in the first half. Um, you know, weather probably factored into that. But, but every one of those fumbles came on drives they were moving the ball and and, you know they those were scoring drives that were cut short by turnovers so it's you know it's what USC uh, you know we talked about it the last time it's just that game kind of was was everything uh, you know encompassing about USC it showed you how good they can be it also showed you why they're not as good as they should be I mean it was the debut for Sam Darnold replacing Max Brown he's he'd obviously played some snaps before this but it was the first time as a starter he threw for 253 yards. He rushed for another 41 with a touchdown against a tough mm-hmm. Utah defense. And that's not going to be the kind of defense they see this week. Uh, <laughs> you, you, ha- you have to imagine that Juju Smith-Schuster had this circled uh, for a long time. After last season, he caught five passes, 103 yards, and two touchdowns. Yep. And USC beat down the Devils at Sun Devil Stadium. It was a torching last year. Yeah, it was. Uh, if my memory serves, they, they came out and got a pretty quick lead on us um and then i believe it was 21 nothing we were down to the one yard line right before halftime close to punching it in make it 21 7 instead fumble the ball return for a touchdown ensuing kickoff gets fumbled and they score again before the half and it's 35 nothing 
in a flash. And uh, from there, it was just kind of going through the motions in the second half. So, yeah, that was a uh, that was, you know, the highlight for USC last year, really, or at least the, you know, the Sarkeesian half of the season highlight. Uh, and, and definitely a low light for us that that week four home game curse that we we kind of got by this past week. We forgot to talk about that, but we did we did exercise that demon a little bit from the last two years. Yeah, and you know the week five trip to California. Yeah, has been productive for us. You know, the last time that we had this trip and it was USC was the Jail Mary game. That's so. true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, which was a uh, a huge turning point for that season. Uh, we had just gotten you know a, a beat down from UCLA and we were playing our backup quarterback and. That season was about to go off the rails, it felt like, and we, we won that game. We beat Stanford two weeks later and ended up winning 10 games. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was a significant moment for us in 2014. Absolutely. Now, the, one of the big storylines this week out of ASU is the lack of blitzing. And, yeah. And you and I have talked about this a little bit, but they're definitely not being nearly as aggressive. And the coaches came out this week and said, yeah, we've got a young secondary and inexperienced secondary. We're trying to protect them. And that's been, I think a good call, you know, that we faced experienced quarterbacks across the board. Uh Um, And that's, you know, that's the kind of quarterback that had torched ASU in the heavy blitz packaging last season. But now, now we're playing a quarterback who doesn't have that kind of experience, who hasn't seen the ASU style of aggressive attacking blitzing. Do you think, do you think that this is the week where they dial it up a little bit more? Do you think Patterson and Graham keep it calm? I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, maybe so. Um, uh, you know, it was a, a repetitive thing that happened to us last year. And, and this kind of fits the profile of the games we had success in last year, playing a, freshman quarterback one of his first few starts you know we had success against Rosen last year we had success against Jake Browning who you know now are are two of the better quarterbacks in the conference last year we caught him probably at the right time and we'll we'll see him coming up in the next few weeks here both of them but uh yeah I mean this is an opportunity to to maybe uh throw some wrinkles at him that he hasn't seen I mean that's the advantage of of playing a, a you know a new starting quarterback is he hasn't seen this kind of defense um, you know, and you, you take risks with that, you know, you give up big plays, but, uh, you know, as the, as the stories have pointed out, the big plays really haven't ceased. Um, you know, maybe, maybe they would be worse if we were blitzing more, I guess. Um, but we're still giving up a lot of them. Well, and the problem is you don't take, you know, it's one thing to have a lot of guys back there and to only be bringing four, but sure. if you're not tackling, then it doesn't really matter how many guys you have back there because, they run through one tackle and then it's still nobody between them and the end zone. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, uh, we'll see, you know, we'll see if, if that's something they go to, or maybe this is just going to be a year long type of thing. I mean, you and I talked a lot at the end of last season and through the off season about, you know, wanting to see some adjustments made to what we were doing defensively. And we've seen that now, has it worked tremendously? No, it, it hasn't. Um, you know, but, but, but it has worked enough. It, I mean, we've, yeah, it's worked enough to win four straight games. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the numbers are ugly if you look at stats. But, the, you know, the only number that matters is how many wins you got and how many losses you got. Those numbers are pretty good. Now, you know, there's a ways to go, I realize. But, um, you know, we wanted to see something different. We're seeing something a little bit different. And it's, it's at least led to wins. That's all you can say. 
Yeah, and the defense, you know, we talked about it after the game against Cal, but the defense has done enough and in the second half has been in the right place to make yes. plays. You know, we trailed or we're in tight games every yeah. game. Really, after NAU, it's been, in, you know, it's been in doubt in the fourth quarter of every sure, game. Sure, sure, and, and even to a certain extent, NAU was in doubt well into the third quarter, and we needed to get a series of stops because our offense was kind of stagnant that game until the fourth quarter. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's been a, a theme of this year so far is playing better at the end of games. And, you know, that could be a, it can be a risky trend, uh, if you become too dependent on that. And, and I could see that happening here either this week or in future weeks where, you know, you fall behind and you think, Oh, we'll be fine. We'll figure this out. You never figure it out. And you get beat by three touchdowns, and you're thinking, "Well, okay, we can't we can't start that sluggish anymore." Sometimes you have to learn that the hard way. But you know, I would rather have a team like that that plays its best at the end than a team that blows leads. Than a team, you know, I mean, like, give me that alternative every time. Yeah, I'd rather be competitive and fighting than watching it all collapse. Right. I mean, and again, I I said this a lot on Sunday when we talked. Last year's team was kind of kind of the opposite and it, and it, you know it's not it's not meant to be an indictment of them but they just weren't good at closing close games you know i mean the oregon game the cal game are ones that really stick out to me those are games we should have won well i mean that and, cal game speaks to the the issues we had last year on defense yeah you the second half you just had to stop them from scoring one time one time and we couldn't do it yeah yeah um and, and the oregon game I mean, we you know we had we had several situations there at the end of regulation and the overtimes. We just needed one stop, one play on defense, one one sack, fumble, one interception, one something, one fourth down stop. They had a couple fourth down conversions, and you know you win just those two games, and it's an eight and four season, and you feel a whole lot different about that year. It still would have been a bit of a disappointment given the expectations, but you know eight and four feels feels a lot better than six and six, and. You know, that's been the difference so far this year. Again, like I said Sunday, 4-0 just means the, that you're, you know, you're not going to go 3-9 and nine or worse. We got a long ways to go before the, you know, the whole verdict is in on this season. But so far, I've been happy with, you know, the difference in being able to finish games, win close games, win games the last three that, that could have gone either way. And, and we found a way to win all three of them. Well, with Texas Tech and with Cal, the defense made the play in the fourth quarter. They forced the turnover. They which, did. Which last year, you know, everyone says it's a staple of Todd Graham defenses. They force a lot of turnovers. Last year they weren't doing it. And really, with the they come in bunches this year. You, you said that last yes. time we talked. Yes. But, you know, they haven't really been consistently forcing turnovers this year. But all of a sudden it seemed like they found a formula that worked. Karan Crump's getting great pressure on the quarterback. And if they can yeah. keep that up, they can make this a really long day for USC. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, I, I think, um, as you mentioned, you know, Smith-Schuster, is, is he's really good and he's going to get his. But, uh, you know, I think maybe you found a bit of a formula last week of putting Kareem Orr on that guy. And, and you know, look, he's not, he's not Deion Sanders. I, I'm not going to say he's going to take away half the field. We, we're not there and we may never get there with him. But he did pretty well in the second half against Hanson and, you know, so I think you say, okay, here you go again. You take the top guy, and uh, you know they have some other good ones. But you know, let's let's let those guys beat us. Let's let a, a guy making his second start, and and some other receivers that aren't as accomplished, see if they can beat us. 
And it comes down to stopping the run. We didn't do a great job of that last week, um, but you got to do that against them. Make them make them one dimensional. Make that young quarterback have to throw it 45, 50 times, and you know, see if he makes some mistakes to give us a chance to win. Yeah. On the defensive side, though, Christian Sam, it sounds like, still going to be out. Yeah. And you really, you know, I I assume that we'll see similar to with Chad Hansen, Kareem Moore will be the guy who just, his job's going to be to follow Smith-Schuster around. Um, and I would expect them to roll coverage that way. But USC's got a lot of talent. It's not exactly like Cal. Oh, sure, sure. I mean, they've got other good receivers, uh, no doubt. And, you know, and, and, and look, it's, it's like any game this year. Uh, we're not going to shut them down. We're not good enough on defense to feel like, okay, we got a game plan. We can contain them. We're going to, you know, hold them to 14 points. It's not going to happen. There's going to be leaks. There's going to be big plays. There's going to be touchdowns scored. And, and it's going to, you know, it's going to come down to minimizing that and, you know, carrying the load on offense, uh, which, you know, was was not great in the first road game, but hopefully they've learned some lessons from that game and can, you know, get out to a hotter start than they did against San Antonio. Well, on the offensive side, it seems like by the second half of games, we've found a play-calling rhythm, and it's clear that this offense's identity is going to be power running um, and play and, you know, play action pass yeah. and a passing game yeah. that keys off of that. Kalen Balage apparently is fine. Yeah, which is a, a bullet dodged. You know, it, it, uh, I think both of us were kind of of the mentality that, you know, his season might have been over when he left the field and you saw the reactions. And um, But, yeah, I mean, apparently we, we caught a break there. And at least for the moment, we still have our two-headed monster at running back, which is really crucial for this team because you saw how stagnant it got when he left the game. Um, that, you know, it just, you know, aside from Manny running, we didn't really have much go-to. Yeah. The the steam really seemed to come out of the team when he was out. Yeah. Um, but with him back, you know, Chip Lindsey, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse with this, but he, he has, you know, done everything right. He's called all the right plays. He's pushing all the right buttons, especially in the second half. You know, he gets teams off balance, he gets teams guessing, and defenses on their heels in college is always a problem. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, he has done a, uh, a good job, at, you know, especially in our two bigger games um, so far of, of, you know, having a good game plan and, and, and getting it rolling as the game went along. It's not just coming out and, and looking great. In fact, we really haven't done that yet this year. Uh, it, it, which is hard to say in, in when you've scored 68 points and 51 points in, in two games, but neither game did we really start out hot. Both games we punted on the opening drive. Cal, you know, we didn't score a touchdown till late in the first half. Now, Texas Tech, we found our rhythm earlier. Um, but, it, you know, I guess that's the – if I'm going to nitpick, it'd be nice to see this offense come out hot because that, that was a calling card of Mike Norvell's offenses. They'd come out hot. Now, sometimes they'd cool off. You have games like Washington State last year where you're, you know, it's 14 nothing after two drives and then you can't get in the end zone the rest of the game. Well, so again, I'll take I'll take this over the over the other, but it would be nice especially on the road to start out with some rhythm. I mean, you haven't seen it really since the first drive of the season where it was just boom 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 right, exactly. and we just ran yeah. all over NAU to get you're in right. the end yeah. zone. Yeah, yeah, they did they did come out and score then, but yeah, I mean, aside from that, the the opening drives and in the last two games, really the the entire first half. I mean, 
both both of the last two games we didn't get our first touchdown until the last what two minutes of the second quarter um and it was you know, desperately the, needed both games yes it was it was and again look uh, you know i'll i'll take that over the alternative because we kind of had it last year where we'd get out to hot starts and then we couldn't finish um but it is it is risky you know you dig yourself in a hole and you can't always get out we've done it so far uh, which is a great characteristic to have but you know you, you'd like especially on the road against a, against a talented team no doubt this team is talented to not dig yourself in a two or three score hole because uh, you might not be able to get out of that one before we keep going on the offense you brought up that USC is talented and I'm wondering and, and we won't know until it happens and we won't really know until the season's over but I'm wondering if USC football this year could be a little bit like the post Lute Olson Arizona teams where they were used to winning. It was a bunch of talented yeah. kids who were used to winning, and all of a sudden, it's not going that great. Yeah, and, and you could argue that's been going for several years now. I mean, that's a good comparison. Um, and you've seen it with other pro, you know, I, I'm, I'm reminded a little bit of Florida State in the, you know, basically the entire 2000s after maybe 2000, 2001. They still produced a lot of NFL players. They were still, you know, getting good players, but they just weren't winning the way they used to. Um, Texas kind of got that way after Colt McCoy, you know, and, and, and then the talent dissipated, but they still had a lot of talent. They just weren't winning. Um, and so, yeah, you know, those, those are, that's an apt comparison, I think, because it's, you know, it takes more than just having talented players. It helps to have them, no doubt. But, you know, and that, and that gives you an appreciation for, and I know you won't have any problem with me saying this, for a program like Alabama, because, you know, yeah, they have talent. Yeah, they recruit well, but they manage to to continue to win, and that's easier said than done. I mean, you know, you 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 see it on paper. Oh, they got all these five star guys. Great. Well, it takes more than just compiling talent to win. You have to have something more, and USC hasn't had it. Well, and the other thing is, it's what you do in the face of adversity. Alabama loses a game every sure. season. It seems like now, sure. but then they come back and just pound people. USC yeah. gets blown out week one. Yeah, they come back and beat Utah State 45-7 in week right. two. But then, you know, they put up 37 points over the next two weeks combined. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, they have not, you know, that's not been a characteristic of theirs for several years. Um, you know, battling through the tougher times. Now, now you know, at, in periods it has been. That's why it's so hard to assess them because you go back to the year with Orgeron. And they got off to a bumpy start, and Kiffin gets fired. He turns them around, and and they you know they finish real strong. They went six and one with him um, last year. You know they get off to another bumpy start. Sarkeesian gets fired. They turn it around and they win the Pac-12 South. Um, so you you know you again you see the talent and you see the ability, but they just don't do it consistently. And that's what makes this game so hard to predict. Because if you if you tell me we're going to get the best of USC, I mean I. I I can't pick ASU to win. But if you tell me we're going to get USC looking like they did against Alabama and against Stanford, I think it's very winnable. Yeah, they're a team that it seems like they they don't thrive on adversity until it's over. When the you know, yeah. they're a team that they need the expectations <laughs> to go all the way ground to nothing. Right. Before right. it's Which like is, uh, yeah, uh, and and quite honestly that's what makes this week dangerous. Because I don't know about you, I don't know if you've seen it, but I have. 
you know, there's stories all over about what's wrong with USC and Clay Helton's going to get fired and, and you know, well, another year where USC disappoints. And, and it's right then is when they always seem to respond. And, and so it's, it's a dangerous time to catch them, I think. Yeah, we're either it, it's like uh, what's that game that you used to play where it's all the sticks and you'd pull one out, <laughs> right? You know, right, right. It's like yes. Jenga. Are we yes. are we still one of the sticks that can get pulled out, or is it or is it all going to collapse on us? <laughs> right, and again, it could. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, you just don't know. That's the thing. I mean, I have I have watched them over the last few years, and I and I've gone into games thinking. I remember last year, I think it was week three, right before they played us, and they hosted Stanford, and, you know, Stanford had lost to Northwestern, and USC had got on to this good start, you thought, this is okay, USC, they're, they're, they're got it, and then they just let Stanford come in and run over them, and, and then a few weeks later, you know, Sarkeesian had been fired, they were struggling, they're playing Utah, Utah's undefeated, I'm thinking, all right, Utah's going to win this game easy, and USC goes out, plays great, and beats them soundly. So you just don't know what to expect. And, and again, that's the scary proposition with this one. Yeah. Going back to the offense, one thing that seems to be indicative of offensive success for ASU is spreading the ball around in the passing game. The, the two high-scoring yeah. games, you have eight different receivers involved catching passes. In the two games where the offense seemed to struggle, four or five receivers, the tight ends aren't involved at all. You wonder if this is a factor of game flow and when you throw the ball as much and you score as much as we did against Cal and against Texas Tech in the air raid offense, more people are just naturally going right. to get involved. Right. Or if it's something that we need to address and show a little more variety in our game-to-game plan. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that is the that is the interesting thing because you're right. I mean, it, you know, when, when the offense has looked really good, it's like, you know, a bunch of guys are involved. You get, you know... Jalen Harvey is a name that comes to mind. He had solid games against Texas Tech at Cal. The other two games, he didn't catch a ball. Um, so, it, you know, it'd be nice to get him and, you know, some of these other guys involved tight ends. You know, we haven't got a ton from the tight ends, but we got we got one big play last week. We got one big play against Texas Tech. Um, you know, it'd be nice to get those guys more involved. But, again, I think you, I think you factor in that you do have an inexperienced quarterback. And, you know, he probably gets into, um, you know, lulls where it's, okay, you know, this guy's working for me. I'm going to keep going to him and rather than spread the ball around and take what's there. You know, you kind of saw it against San Antonio. He was he was forcing it to, to Harry. Now, it worked a few times, but a, a few times it didn't. Um, you know, so I think those are, those are things that just come out of growth as a quarterback, and the more he plays, the more he'll get comfortable with that. Well, it's funny that you say that because I think that, the reliance on Harry has even shown growth from Manny because from that game to the Cal game, you know, in the Cal game, Harry has one catch. It's not that he wasn't in and it's not that he's not a factor. And I'm sure, sure. The Cal defense is rolling coverage to him. Sure. Sure. But Manny found other places to go. Jalen Harvey's very involved. He had a great game. I mean, I don't think there's any two ways about it. That's the kind of game as a fan, as a fan, you think, we could really have something here even next year after we lose yeah. white. White, you know? yeah, exactly. No, I, I agree. I mean, you know, what you've, what you've seen so far is a little bit what I hoped we'd get last year where it was like, okay, it could be a different guy each game. Um, you know, you saw in game one, it was Tim White. I think he had nine catches against NAU. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, against San Antonio, it was Harry. He was the go-to guy. Against Cal, it was a little more Jalen Harvey. He, you know, he went to him in big spots. But he mixed in other guys. He, you know, he got the ball to Jefferson there down by the goal line. He got the ball to Tim White to get, you know, to get inside the five on a play. J.J. Wilson on that play action. I mean, you know, there, there's not a... There's not a superstar just yet. I think hopefully Harry has that ceiling in the future, but it's it's a very, you know, there's maybe five or six different options along with the two running backs. Both of them can be factors um, that make it difficult, you know, and that, that if you can pull that off, it makes it hard on opposing defenses because they don't know who to take away. You take away one guy, we'll just go to somebody else. This makes me feel a little Chris Berman-y with this statement, but... <laughs> When he does countdown on Sunday mornings, he always says, and watch out for some guy. And, and it's rare that he ties it to anything factual. <laughs> he just says it. Right. Watch out for Cody Cole this game. I just Maybe. feel, I feel like this is the kind of game where you want your safety valve, and I feel like we're getting to the point where he might start being used the way the Cowboys use Jason Witten. He's going to roll to the sticks. That would be he's nice. going to turn around, and, and he's just going to be there. If you need him, he's there. That, if it, you know, I mean, something else is open, that's great. Yeah, that would be great, you know, because, uh, yeah, it is, it is um, you know, a, a good tight end is a huge safety valve, as you say. And, you know, we haven't really had that since Chris Coyle. Last couple of years, we've really not gotten much production at all from the tight ends. And so far this year, it's been very hit or miss, mostly miss. But like I said, a couple of big plays and, you know, it'd be great to see them, you know, become more of a factor. So the one last thing I wanted to touch on, I didn't even notice it. I didn't hear it talked about on the TV broadcast while I was listening to that, and I didn't hear it talked about on the radio, although I'd already switched to the radio mm-hmm. maybe halfway through. But apparently Mitchell Fraboni was back on long snaps for punts, but only punts last game. Was he really? I didn't notice it either. Wow, that's a, okay. Okay, interesting. I, I knew he was back in practice, but I did not hear that. So perhaps we're easing him back in. If yeah. that's true, you know, a tip of the hat to Cole Cabral because that yeah. the team did not seem to miss a beat. The snaps were a little, you know, I remember texting you. I thought Hawks done an excellent job of getting the ball down this year for Zane. He has, he has, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think it certainly helps to have, you know, an experienced kicker and holder um, when you're breaking in a new snapper. But yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of examples uh, of of where you know things like that go wrong and. Just, just something, something goes a fraction off, and and so yeah, good, good job that it hasn't affected it, and and you know it's been a strength. I mean, the kicking game has been a big time strength of this team this year, and it's we expected it, and it hasn't let us down. So now I think it's time we go to our predictions. All right, USC this year had six points, then forty five, then ten, then twenty seven. Yeah, I think yeah. we're going to be closer to the forty five than the other three for them. Yeah. Um, but I think that even on the road, our scoring output's going to be up there. I'm taking ASU 45-41. Okay. Uh, my, my, uh, my head tells me to pick USC because, like I said, I just feel like this might be the week that, that USC comes out and, and you know, kind of answers their doubters. But I will say a lot of times they do that, seems like, against a, a better team. You know, they, they wait for the really good team to surprise. Um, and even though we're 4-0, we're not ranked yet. We're kind of under the radar. Um, we're not and, Stanford. And I, we're not Stanford, no. No, we're not Stanford. We're not Oregon from a few years back. You know, we're not 
we're not in that realm. Um, so I'm going to go with ASU. I'm going to go slightly lower scoring just because, you know, I don't think USC will play the same up-tempo. They do, they do play some, um, but it's not going to be quite as many plays and possessions as, as Texas Tech and Cal, I don't think. Um, so I'll go, uh, I'll go 34-27. You've got the win. I've got the win. If we're right, it's going to make for a good weekend. It would. It would. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, this is, uh, you know, it's another tough test. It's, it, you know, like I, we talked about this a couple weeks ago after, after Texas San Antonio that, you know, there wasn't going to be a game left where you felt like this should be easy. And this one is not, and the next one won't be, and the next one won't be and so on and so on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this, this is a, it's a tough one, but it's, it's a game that feels attainable given what we've seen from both teams and, um, you know, we'll just, the big thing I think is to hope that we're got more rhythm on the road than we did last time. Cause if we come out and struggle as much as we did in the first half in San Antonio, probably not going to be the game we can turn around like we did against them. I think that's true. I, I do agree that this game is gettable for whatever reason. I just don't think the Coliseum is going to be as quirky for us as our first road test. Maybe it's because it's still open air. It's still grass. True. And a USC team that doesn't engender a lot of fan support when they're not winning. Um, that's that's very true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we I used to you know talk to you about that, and I you know when USC was in their prime, you know, a, a decade or so ago, and they had that long home winning streak. I felt like that was more a, a factor of them just being really good. It's not like going to Austin or or going to Husky Stadium or some of the places in the Pac-12 that are really tough to go play. Utah's another one. You know, neither of the L.A. schools really has that. They play in these giant stadiums. They don't fill them up very often. Um, and so it, it gives you the opportunity that you're you're not going into a real tough environment, but it is still USC. And, and that's the thing I think that scares you the most. Absolutely. Well, we'll find out on Saturday night. Until then, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.